Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello there, movie truthers. It's Michael Leader here reporting from our second morning at the International Film Festival here in Rotterdam. Joined as I was last time by David Jenkins. Hey there. And our third Little White Lies correspondent here, Eleanor Lazic. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. So you made it in here yesterday. Yeah. Any thoughts about Rotterdam so far? It's chilly out here. Uh, it's Yeah, it's very, very cold. I'm very impressed by uh, the ability of the people who live here to just walk around wearing what I think is not enough layers. Mm-hmm. So very intimidated by that. Um, but I've only seen one film so far, so looking forward to seeing a lot more. Uh-huh. What's that film? Um, it was uh, Claire Oakley's Makeup. So, yeah, British film. Um, and it was very interesting. Just set up makeup a bit for us, uh, mm. if you can. Um, so it's, it starts very simple. It's just the story of a girl, I think she's 18 years old and very young, and she's going to Cornwall on like um, you know, a holiday thing when there's like bungalows to, for people to stay, but it's, um, it's not the season of holidays, so everything is closed and they're like cleaning all the rooms. But her boyfriend lives there, so she's going to like meet him there because she wants to be with him. Um, and um, she starts to suspect that maybe he's been seeing another woman uh, when she was away, a redhead, because she starts to find red hairs on his clothes. But it's actually like, it just becomes something completely sort of different. Like we're very much inside her head and we see things that we don't immediately understand, but that are very like evocative of like sensations. It's quite a visceral film. Um, and I really like that a lot of the time we don't, we're not sure what we're seeing and what it means. Um, I do think it might, it might be staying, the film might be confusing for a little bit too long. Like after a while I was just like, get to the point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, but, it, but, it, but that's like a minor quibble really, because it's very, it's just very striking. Like I think it's a first feature and it, it's just the, the images, it's not an expensive looking film, but it looks, they really found ways to make so many very creepy mm. images, but not creepy in like a sort of necessary surreal way. It's like all very real things, but like if you just you know stay a bit longer on them and like it's nighttime and there's a weird light coming, then it gets very scary very quickly. Um, and there's also, but it's like a sort of coming of age thing, but very done in a totally different way than, than anything I've ever seen before. So it's very, very interesting. I can't wait to see what the director does next because it's like, it's so accomplished already. I think maybe it's trying to do a bit too much, which is absolutely fair. But um, yeah, I can't wait to see what she does next. 
Right. Yeah. Would you recommend it? Um, I would definitely recommend it, yeah, because I think it's like it's doing something very interesting where it basically tries to wrong food the audience into thinking it's one kind of movie and mm. then it turns out it's another kind of movie. And I'm not sure that that transition maybe works that well. Like I, I think I actually would rather see the first half of the movie, like what we think it is, to the end. I don't know if I like the, when it changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would rather stick to the first part because I think it's more interesting. But yeah, what I really like about it is that it's very horny and very scary. Horny so and scary. You can't really do... <laughs> yeah, that, that's what you want movies to do a lot of the time. So yeah, really liked it. Um, so, Elena, you've seen one film so far. Mm-hmm. David, what's our tally? I think we're closing in on, is it eight or nine or ten? Well. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I've, I've, I've lost count. Mm-hmm. I, I, think, I think we've seen about eight or nine so mm-hmm. far. I, I saw five yesterday, yeah, so it was, a big, it was a big day. Um, well, six if you include the, the short and the, the feature that came, mm-hmm. that came as, a, as a single package. Um, Anything that you'd want to recommend or highlight from that? that well, list? I think it might be worth mentioning the film we, we've just seen this morning, actually, uh-huh. on, in the wee hours, um, in the in in the in, in an IMAX screen, which was always always a treat for for a kind of Thai art house film. Um, yeah, we, we we went to see a film called Happy Old Year um, by uh, director uh, Nawapol Thamran Granarit. Um, Apologies for any tra- tra- translation or pronunciation issues there, um, but he's a really interesting director. Um, he he's done uh, a bunch of films that have come out in the UK, such as Thirty Six and Mary is Happy. Mary is Happy. Um, and Die Tomorrow. Was Die, the most recent Die Tomorrow film, was the most recent one, which was a really interesting film that, that kind of looked at looked at the kind of banality of death. And and this new film is maybe his sort of least. I guess art house inclined. It, it was quite. It, it it almost felt like a kind of film that you could do a, an English language remake of fairly simply, uh, and you could imagine some big um, Hollywood actress wanting to to play that to play the lead role of Jean, um, because it's basically a film about that. That imagine someone has taking target practice at Marie Kondo, and is hitting her in the head every single time. It's it's a very convincing film about. That, that is um, basically tearing apart this idea of the uh, of decluttering and, and getting rid of, of your earthly possessions and embracing minimalism um, and it just very simply very convincingly shows this woman who is a minimalist de- uh, furniture designer who is deciding who's decided to declutter their very cluttered uh, house slash repair shop slash music school that she lives in. Uh, with her mother and brother, uh, her, the estranged father has has left the scene, and um, that the, 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 the sort of enterprise has gone into a bit of disarray at the moment, and uh, that there's, there's there's obviously a lot of depression in in, in in the house and need for renewal, and Jean goes on this very initially unsentimental journey of th- you know buying bin bags and chucking everything out, and then gradually she starts to think that she might want to reconnect with some of the people who gave her these things or has you know is, is seeing seeing these 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 material objects as you know tokens and gifts and symbols of 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 things that had happened in her life and her own kind of emotional evolution and upbringing and for about an hour or 70 minutes i was really like with i was thinking this was a, a genuinely great movie and was just taking no, no missteps and it was just hitting so many interesting bittersweet emotional beats and, set in, and dropping truth bombs 
about that kind of that, that what that weren't really that weren't sentimental at all about you know the genuine feeling we imbue into these like, like objects like mixtapes and uh, and photographs and things mm-hmm. like that and then kind of in the end it got it kind of in the last half an hour it just suddenly goes quite maudlin yeah. and the sort of springy slightly ironic tone gives way to there's a lot of crying and a lot of speech like lots of kind of people talking to each other and having these long emotional slightly dragged out scenes like with one another and i mean it's it, they're well done and they, they're effective but you're kind of like remembering back to like better times earlier on in the film but um, no it's, it's, it's a hearty recommendation from me yeah, it's I de- really I really good that. I think yeah. that also Nalpol is such a confident filmmaker it's the, the, the way this film looks the way the camera moves the framing is fantastic the lead performance is particularly strong of this woman who has almost curated her entire persona to be as, as she wants it to be almost like this Nordic minimalist Marie Kondo type thing and we see the chinks in that armour come through as she's discovering more about this past that she's repressing but yeah perhaps a little bit too simplistic for me maybe but I'd say strong recommendation one of the best things we've seen so far on the opposite end of the scale in terms of simplicity, I saw a, a Japanese anime yesterday, very on brand for me, uh, called Children of the Sea. And this is by Ayamu Watanabe, who hasn't really made many features uh, yet. He's worked in the very phenomenally successful Doraemon franchise, but this film's been getting a bit of attention. And well, how, to, how to describe it? It's about a girl on her summer break who goes to the aquarium where her father and mother work, and she finds two two boys who are discovered off the coast of the Philippines who are brought up by these mythical sea creatures so they're sort of, of mer- course. mermaid boys and she goes on crazy adventures with them who I'll call her manic fishy dream boys um, and for the first half it's just this knockabout romantic sort of triangle and they become embroiled in a conspiracy about a potential cosmic event that's brewing in the ocean with a gigantic whale and a meteorite and in this back half what has been quite a nice, scratchy, very hand-drawn, textured style all the way through just erupts into what friend of the podcast, Robbie Collins, calls anime meets Terence Malick. When Oi. this, uh, but this young girl becomes the f- centre of this cosmic event, and it goes at, at simultaneously microcosmic, macrocosmic, cellular, cellular granular level plus galactic level imagery, and you're seeing things that I've certainly not seen in this sort of anime before. Wow. And seeing that in a massive screen <laughs> really was something. And maybe on the whole, it's one crazy, convoluted, emotional trip but there's a 40-minute segment in the second half that is really something, really quite extraordinary. Um, But the second best thing I think I've seen was, you mentioned this short film we saw before, a film called Slow Machine last night. This is a film called uh, John Was Trying to Contact Aliens. And we'd sat down for the screening forgetting there was a short film in front of it, and it just started up unexpectedly. And it's about this chap called John who dedicated to 25, 30 years of his life to trying to contact extraterrestrial life. And his way of doing this was sinking all of his time and money and space in his household, his parents' household, to creating this broadcast um, pylon that beamed 
sound waves into space. And he said the best way that he wanted to make contact with aliens was to show the pinnacle of human culture, and that was music, but not commercial music. Mm. And it shows him almost, he sounds like, I don't know, Stuart McConey's Freaky Zone on, uh, on Six Music, where he's like, and that was Can, we're going to listen to Tangerine Dream now. <laughs> it's really fascinating, strange, this American life level, human interest story stuff. And then it finds emotional depths within his story about being in this remote area of North Carolina, um, being cut off from a community. He, he was gay and had no way to communicate that with people around him, whilst also very literally trying to make communication with other life. And it's a short 50 minute long film, I think, but really quite profound. So you enjoyed it as well, Dave? Oh, I loved it, yeah, yeah. It was, it was uh, it, I mean, it, it was kind of one of those little note perfect mini docs that you kind of wouldn't really want to take a single frame out of. And, and at the same time, you think, well, it, uh, it doesn't need to be any longer either because it just gets across its point so beautifully and succinctly. And you know what? A, what a find in this character. I mean, it's as you say, he, he is the kind of guy who could have been like rinsed for a big documentary or mm-hmm. a big radio show or something like that. Um, but I think that this this is a really lovely example of like the the form and the subject gelling perfectly. So. I'm really glad we we discovered that completely mm-hmm. by chance. Exactly. I yeah, would really so. strongly recommend uh, John was trying to contact aliens if it is eventually out on Vimeo or. Or somewhere, um, but we uh, we do have another interview, don't we, to, to queue up, David? So Indeed. Can you introduce this interviewee in the film we're talking about? So yeah, um, we caught, caught up with a film called uh, Moving Pictures, Filmmakers and the Art of Cinematography, which is um, being uh, directed by Anne Tran. Um, it's uh, receiving its world premiere at the festival, and it's a film about cinematography, and it's essentially. Uh, talking head driven doc about where, where, where some of the world's leading lights in the art of cinematography have joined together and they're talking shop about their occupation uh, their, and what drives them creative, creatively and I think it's a really fascinating film about you know giving us, a, giving us another um, vantage on what the job of cinematographer is and how weird and nebulous it is sometimes it's um, uh, I think we have an idea of what a cinematographer does, but hearing these guy, uh, these guys and and gals talk, um, you, you, you certainly, are, are, you know, it's, it sort of gives gives you food for thought in terms of like the the, the actual job that they're doing on on a, on a movie and the and the the results that they're achieving and how they're achieving them. So uh, yeah, this is uh, Andrew. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information, 
information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm here with Anne Tran, director of Moving Pictures, Filmmakers and the Art of Cinematography, which is receiving its world premiere at the uh, 49th International Film Festival Rotterdam. Anne, welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Um, so this film is uh, a film about cinematography from the perspective of some of the world's greatest living cinematographers. Um, and uh, it's kind of incredible that you've managed to amass this amount of talent. Can I start by asking, how did you manage to get all these amazing names involved? Sure, yeah. I mean, the actual feature film, um, that kind of came later, but... Uh Airy, which was the who was the producer of the film, um, they're a renowned camera company, and uh, they celebrated their hundredth anniversary um, in 2017. And for that, they wanted to make, um, I guess, a lot of little portraits of different filmmakers um, who had used their equipment and kind of, uh, you know, have them talk about how the technology enabled um, their craft. And so that's how it kind of began. Um, but a lot of us that were behind the project from the very beginning, we were thinking, you know, we are getting all these people. Um, the technology really isn't that interesting. Um, it's really the people and their passions and the inspiration behind them. And so most of our interviews would kind of go that way. Um, and then uh, it was clear people really, yeah, they respect the equipment and um, that enabled them to make amazing movies. But um, what was the most interesting was them talking about collaboration. People were very generous in sharing um, mistakes they had made. And um, so the idea to finally make a feature film kind of came once we had everything. Um, so, so yeah, that's how it came about. But it's fascinating. Like what, One of the things that you kind of learn from watching the film is how... I guess nebulous this, this idea of a cinematographer is and that everyone seems to have their own interpretation of the job and how far their collaboration extends to towards the director and the lighting and the, the production design and that must have been sort of fascinating to, to, to meet these people and learn 
these these new definitions. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's what's super interesting about um, working in this medium is everyone is different. Um, everyone, there's no one way to get to where you are. Um, everyone has very different personalities, and working together like in a film, um, it's you know, it's almost like dating and you have to kind of you know meet people and uh, gel with them and of course there's lots of um, collaborations that don't work Um, but it is kind of being with like a dysfunctional family in a lot of ways and uh, everyone has their own different quirks and passions and um, backgrounds that influence their art so um, yeah it was really great to be able to talk to people about that and um, to be able to share it with audiences and so yeah, we're really happy to have it here at Rotterdam. Do, do you do you find from from talking to these people that there is a kind of collegiate atmosphere between them? Like, do, do, do these guys all talk to each other? Yeah, I think a, a lot of them are very open. Um, I would say, out of a lot of the different crafts, uh, cinematographers are especially good at sharing information with each other and kind of you know talking shop. Um, but there are some who are, you know, there's some interesting personalities there that some people aren't like that, and uh, just like with any any walk of life. Uh, but I would say cinematographers are very, um, yeah, very collegial, very open. It's amazing that this sort of breadth of talent you've got here, from like people like Roger Deakins and uh, Darius Konji, through to, to sort of some some that many people won't be considered as household names. And um, I really like the fact that. I guess the film doesn't just focus on the kind of big Oscar-winning cinematographers, but actually takes more of a kind of global view as well. And was, was that always the, the... How are you sort of discovering these slightly lesser-known people? Yeah, um, <clears throat> we really wanted to show, like, a you know, the diversity in film, and not only with, like... Um, internationally but also like through the generations and um, and people's backgrounds and so um, I mean I uh, I worked as a journalist for quite a bit like covering cinematography Um, a lot of us on the team we're lovers of film we watch films and so it really was um, really fun to um, look at different regions and you know I'm a big fan of um, Kiristami's work and you know let's try and get you know Mahmoud Kalari you know and um, it was that was a really fun part was I, I love these films let's try and get this person or I know this person is really up and coming and they're going to be a future Oscar nominee let's get her and we got Rachel Morrison you know so um, and a lot of these people too we um, we've been working in film like I have relationships with a lot of these people through the years and um, yeah it was really great to kind of you know give them the spotlight where a lot of them you know they're behind the, re- the camera for a reason and they don't like to have attention so that was also kind of a challenge, just getting people to open up um, in front of the camera. That, I mean, that's fascinating to hear, actually, because like seeing the, seeing the segment that you that you include in the film on the Kiristami film, the wind the wind will carry us. Um, you, you, you watch Kiristami films, and like no, you ca- you kind of have this impression of he does everything on the film. These are kind of like one hundred percent the vision of a single person, and it's kind of fascinating to. To, to, to sort of hear from one of his collaborators because you so rarely do and like you know he, he, you know, he's not t- trying to take anything away from Kiristami but you know it's, it's really fascinating to see that like there are these other people involved that we just don't really consider sometimes like these you know the auteurists um, they, 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 they kind of believe that the director is the be all and end all <laughs> so this, is kind of, this film is, is, is a really interesting way of 
not so much pointedly flipping that idea on its head but you know just showing you that there are these other people who are doing quite big jobs on these films yeah it's true and then um i mean especially it's especially notable like when you have long collaborations like people who've worked on several films together and um yeah their relationship just visually and through the film and how that's changed and we also tried to focus on films that maybe weren't like their most famous film but maybe it was like their first film or an early film um just to try and show, I don't know, growth and a lot of like the bigger films, like everyone's kind of known about them. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, just we tried to show just kind of a journey for some people that were um, more renowned and then also maybe some people who were at the beginning of their journey. I mean, one of, the, one of the other things as well that's really interesting is the memory that these people have. And, you know, you're talking to like people like Darius Congi and um, Vittorio Scararo. Is that how you pronounce that? Storaro. Ah, Vittorio Storaro. <laughs> and, um, yeah, they've got this kind of immaculate memory of, like, in- individual moments and lighting in individual shots. And it's kind of incredible just as an, the film is an example of, pe- of people's memories of making art as well. I mean, um, did you have anyone who was like, oh, no, I... I don't remember anything. <laughs> sure, yeah, there were, and yeah, that makes me think about how I can't remember my first interview. But, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, there were, you know, with some of the interviews, um, yeah, there were some people that you did kind of have to guide them a little bit more about what to talk about um, or jog their memory. And yeah, there were a lot of times where people were like, I don't remember, that was so long ago. But, um, you know, a lot of these people, when they work on these films, that's their life. That's the number one thing for months and months on end. Um, that's all they're thinking and breathing. And so um, it also doesn't just surprise me that they can remember such key moments um, and, like, very, you know, yeah, significant scenes that, that they were talking about. So. Lastly, the one thing I'd like to mention also is, like, as a film about cinematographers, there is a lot of, you know, it's, it's based around kind of talking head interviews, but you, they're filmed in this very beautiful way, um, in this quite sort of silvery, high contrast, black and white. Could you, could you talk us a bit about how you got these interviews to look so, so amazing? Yeah, um, well, so, you know, this was commissioned by Aerie, um, and they make cameras, and so it was, like, a huge priority to make this look as good as possible. And then also you have the um, added pressure that you're filming some of the, you know, world's most celebrated filmmakers, and you really need to make them look good. Um, and Tom Fairman, who was our um, the head DP who established the look, um, with Henning Redline, who was our executive producer and um, also co-director. Um, and we had discussions about, you know, how do we make it stand out? Um, and black and white just has this uh, timeless very classic look that um, it was a way to make it kind of distinguish it from other films. There's, you know, Visions of Light and other documentaries, but um, it was really this kind of timeless quality. And so, um, yeah, Tom came up with, like, the the lighting scheme and um, all the crews that were working all over the world, we kind of, we followed it. And it was different. Um, And we had, you know, so many talented cinematographers that worked on this, Um, a lot of people who've worked on award-winning Oscar-nominated films, and so everyone brings their own little tweaks to it, but uh, but yeah, I'm glad that you really like the look, because uh, getting, um, you know, 
a lot of people in front of the camera who were not used to being in front of the camera and assuring them that they would look good. Um, that's, yeah, that was a huge challenge. Cool. Well, last, last thing I want to ask you then is um, we're in Rotterdam and you're, you're here until, until quite near the end and you're going to be watching a bunch of films. Is there anything you're super excited about? Um, yeah, I want to see, well, I still need to catch up on a lot of things. Um, I saw The Lighthouse, uh, which I live in Vietnam, and so <clears throat> I don't get to see a lot of these art house films. That was interesting. I want to see Krabi, which is a Thai film, and I was just in Krabi, um, and ah. it's kind of like a time travel movie um, that is set on, in this, I don't know, beach town in Thailand. Um, Sammy Gate seems really bananas, um, a trippy, I don't know, documentary about Sammy Davis Jr. Um, there's a lot more. I Sounds like you've got lots yeah. on your list to, to get through. Yeah, there's a film by Mam- Mama Dudia, it's called Namu, I'm going to butcher the name, um, but it's a Senegalese film, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, I really want to. Well, I hope they turn out turn out well for you. <laughs> Thank you. But, well, Anne, thanks so much for, for joining us. And yeah, congratulations on the film and uh, good luck with the premiere. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. And that was David talking to Anne Tran, the co-director of Moving Pictures, who's receiving its world premiere uh, today, Saturday, at the International Film Festival Rotterdam. So we're going to go ahead now and probably have another four or five film day ahead of us. Mm-hmm. Elena, anything you're particularly excited to see today? Um, there's this uh, sword fighting film by Nakajima Sadao called Love's Twisting Path, okay. um, which I don't know anything about it, but it's a sword fighting film. And uh, I'm, I kind of like... I saw this film called Killing, um, I think it was in Cannes or something two years ago or a year ago, um, and it was a recent, uh, you know, uh, sword fighting film made obviously very recently and it was so amazing that now when I see a sword fighting film coming up at a festival I try to see it because like, I think the potential of like playing with the, the genre and like the, you know, like a sort of revisionist sword fighting film is always just so exciting to me. And if anything, there's always amazing fights yeah. and, you know, a lot of blood. And uh, I love that stuff. <laughs> so I'm going to go see that and hopefully it's very, hopefully it's good. Well, that's testament to just how massive the, the program yeah, is here. It's I, so I hadn't varied. seen that, so I've immediately circled yeah. it. That sounds right yeah. on my street. There are so many, so many different kind of films, kinds of films playing here. It's amazing. Yeah. David, what are you looking forward to today? Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to catching a film that played in Cannes and was quite, from what I understand, quite roundly disliked, but from a director whose work I'm really a big fan of, a Spanish director called Albert Serra. Mm. Uh, he, he has a film called Liberté here, which is a kind of, from what I understand, a, a sort of semi-film f- installation crossover work about... Um, I, it looks like Renaissance era types dogging in Paris in in in, the, in in parks and things like that. So having having weird sexual ex- escapades, it feels very apt to see a film like that in Rotterdam because it's the kind of film that they uh, they champion. And I know that there are a lot of people, sort of, you know, sit, since since Cannes who have come come and said that this is actually a really amazing mo- movie and it's completely unique. So. That's, that's the kind of thing I'm looking to discover. And for me, it's a discovery for me, but it's not a new film. It's Betty Gordon's Variety, which is a sort of classic of the New York independent 
film, uh, you know, filmmaking community of the 80s, uh, which was recommended to me by a bunch of my friends. And have you seen, have you seen that film before, David? I've seen it a long, long time yeah. ago on, on, on like a home, home video format. I can't remember which one, but I'm, I'm very excited to revisit because I remember really enjoying it. And uh, actually, um, we, I collaborated recently on a book about New York movies with one of our uh, um, contributors, a guy called Mark Ash, and he wrote a really compelling interesting subchapter about the movie and its kind of connection to, to, to sort of New York law and the, and the New York landscape so I'm especially excited to see it again on the back of that oh, so. me too anyway we'll be back later this week with more reports of what we see and any discoveries as well Helena David thank you so much for joining me thank you I'm Michael Eder reporting from the International Film Festival in Rotterdam The Truth and Movies which as always is a seven digital production Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.